God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this second Sunday after Epiphany, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Diversity is good. Unity is good. When you have both, as we do in the church, it's even better. It's definitely a good thing. Diversity, in the biblical sense, has little if nothing to do with our own opinions or what we think we ought to do or how people should live. It's something else altogether. God loves diversity. Look at the creation. It's pretty diverse, isn't it? Lots of different creatures, lots of different features on the earth, and in space too. But the main thing about diversity insofar as what God tells us has to do with the gifts He gives us for the good of others. Now, unity is that word we all love. The world yearns for it. Artists' hearts bleed for it. Let's all live as one. Just don't tell me how to live, right? I want the world to be as one, just as long as I can do my own thing. Our society is kind of odd that way, isn't it? It's like we're speaking out of both sides of our mouth. Individualism, which we Americans value and cherish so much, is at odds with the unity that we seek. It's like a self-defeating worldview. And I don't know if there ever will be a social or political solution for it. But unity in the church makes a lot more sense because like diversity, it too is not based on our own opinions. The unity God speaks of in His Word is the unity of the Holy Spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit and He unites us with God. Unity and diversity, same and different. Remember these uh, worksheets in school, right? Same and different. Find the thing that's different, right? And you circle it, you know, there's another one. They would get a little harder, right, as you'd get through the grades, you know. Takes a little extra time to find out what's different. Here's one, uh, pretty complex looking, right? This, this one is based on the gospel reading today, the wedding at Cana. Franny noticed something right away different with it. I'm like, hey, well... But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I can't let you look at it too long. Otherwise, you're going to be trying to find all the differences and, and not listening to what I have to say for the next 10 minutes. Same and different, right? That's what Paul is teaching the Christians in Corinth regarding the various gifts that God has given them. Isn't it interesting that God has to teach us to understand how our gifts are the same and different from one another? Apparently, we can't figure this out on our own, apart from God. And it would seem the Christians in Corinth didn't understand it either. They could see their spiritual gifts were diverse, but like children, they wanted to one-up each other and misuse the meaning of these gifts. My gifts are better than yours. I'm more spiritual than you, that kind of thing. And if you look at what some of these gifts are, like you heard during the, in, the, in the reading, well, I mean, it's no wonder. 
This is pretty, pretty spectacular things, aren't they? Starting at verse 8, the utterance of wisdom and knowledge. Ooh, that sounds pretty heavy, huh? Healing? The working of miracles? Prophecy? Speaking in tongues and the ability to interpret them? What kind of church was this in Corinth? Doesn't sound like our church, does it? We don't have different spirits of God. We all have, we have the same Holy Spirit that they did. There aren't different spirits bestowing gifts on us. We all have the same person of God. The closest thing I've ever been able to do to some of these things in the Spirit is I prayed over some people's pain and they said, Thank you, Pastor. I feel better. We could spend a lot of time looking at these gifts and ask each other, why don't these things still happen in the church? But if we did that, I believe we'd be missing the point and we wouldn't be asking the right question anyways. It's not, why aren't these things still happening? It's, they happened. So what is Paul trying to teach them? And us. If Paul were to have popped into our preschool last week and chatted with the kids, he would have heard some very familiar things. He would have found some little Corinthians, so to speak. What I mean is, I chatted with one of them last week and asked why this person got to be the line leader for the day. The student said, with all confidence, because I'm smarter than everyone else. And I said, look, I'm, I'm sure your friends you know, are all very smart, too. To which I was quickly refuted, no, I'm the smartest. Okay. <laughs> you know, cute and innocent, right? You know, because at five years old, you're, you, know, you haven't quite grasped yet that you're not the center of the universe. But it's also raw, original pride, which comes from original sin, isn't it? You know, most of us learn how to keep it under the skin as we get older, but it does rear its ugly head no matter what age you are. The Corinthian believers failed to see how their giftedness was empowered by the same spirit, and thus they failed to see it was no basis for pride. Must have been a real family feud. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have gotten wind of it and wrote to them about it. Now, when I think about my last nine years here, I can't remember a time when one of us elevated ourselves over another or others as being more spiritually gifted. Have you? If any of you have believed that about yourselves, you did a good job keeping it without, you know, out of earshot. If anything, my experience in the church is people don't want others to know what their gifts are. You know, we seem to be the opposite of the Corinthian church. You know, we're, we're not in a bragging contest of spiritual gifts. Most of, the, you know, most of the time, people are served, things are done around here, and we don't know who did it. It just happens. Now, some of you acknowledge your particular gift of the Spirit, but again, it's not like you're bragging about it. So if, if we've learned to control our pride in adulthood more than the Corinthians, what can we still learn from this? Well, go back to verses 2 and 3. 
You know, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. All right, there's a mute idol for you. Whenever, I mean, you run into this a lot in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mute idols. What are these things? Well, in the ancient world, they were statues, mostly of gods, you know, the gods of the Canaanites, the gods of the Assyrians, the gods of the Babylonians, you know. They have eyes, they have ears on them, they have a mouth, but they don't see, they don't speak, and they can't hear. And if there's one thing that we know from Scripture that God does not like, that he hates, is when people prop up mute idols in his face. So, you know, there are consequences. There were consequences for the nations that were doing this around Israel. And there was consequences for Israel when she started worshiping idols too. At any rate, there's some mute idols for you. Paul goes on, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, which would be really bad, right? And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. You see, we're all the same in our standing before God. We share the same background of originally being apart from God and led astray, no matter what age you were before you were baptized. But as Christians, we are also the same in being empowered by the Holy Spirit to confess that Jesus is Lord and to really believe it and mean it when we say it. As Christians, we're the same in being empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out our diverse gifts He's given us and our diverse callings. That's verses 4 through 6. The fact that we're the same in this that we're unified by the same spirit allows no room for pride and one-upmanship. When those sins do rear, rear their ugly heads, though, the Holy Spirit delivers forgiveness to us through the words of the gospel. Jesus died for you and rose again and forgives you and me. Just a little bit more about the, this uh, diversity of gifts, okay? All these gifts Paul lists here are portioned out to people as the Spirit deems fit. You know, it's up to Him. It would be going against His will if any of us were to say, man, I have just got to prophesy. I really want to do that. I've got to figure out how to do it. I've got to figure out how to make it happen and then try to do it. If the Spirit wills one to prophesy, he'll make it happen. With whom he wants it to happen. It's all for the sake of the unity in Christ's church and for the good of the people. Now you might be wondering, okay then, what is my gift? What am I supposed to do? Well, sometimes we have to wait and see. Which is hard because we don't like to wait on God. We want stuff now. We want our gifts now. We want to serve others now. But if we take Paul at his word, and if we're striving as a body to follow Jesus in his mission to go and baptize the people, then we're in it. 
We're engaged in it. Every one of us. The Spirit is doing His work. Don't be jealous of others if they seem to be doing more things than you or more spectacular things than you are. Don't lord it over others if you think you're doing more things or more spectacular things than them. We are the same in spirit and different in gifts. Same and different. It's the way of God's love for us. If more people in our society who seem fixated on unity and diversity actually knew the truth that God creates unity and diversity, that it is He that unites and gives them diverse gifts to serve others, wouldn't we have more peace in our land and less division and more people going to heaven than to hell? I think so, don't you? Let's get the word out more. Let's get the word out more then. You may get a call from me to meet with you about this in the near future. May you and I and the whole Christian church be and remain empowered by the Holy Spirit with various gifts for the good of others in our lives. And may the peace He gives to us go way beyond our human understanding and may He keep us in His kingdom forever. Amen.